are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final day of the show. And boy, last night's game against the Milwaukee Bucks, highly entertaining as the Pelicans ultimately do lose to them, 125-129. It was really a three-point game, and that three-point number is important because of the final play when the Pelicans stole the inbounds and had a chance to take a game-time three and didn't, ultimately losing the game not even getting a shot off in the final seconds of it. Very disappointing. I want to break down what happened at the end and a little bit more about this game as well, um, including some of the officiating in Zion and a topic that I rarely will get into, but yes, we are going to go there a little bit today and then get you set for the game against the San Antonio Spurs over the weekend. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So 129-125 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans against the Milwaukee Bucks in a game that was really fun. And before we get to the final play, you're not going to like what I'm about to say because it just gets tiring. And look, I'm, I'm tired of these type of games too, but in a way, it's a moral victory for New Orleans. Like It, it truly is. Playing on the second night of a back-to-back, playing only an eight-man rotation because frankly, if you played more than that, you were going to probably lose this game. So sticking with the guys that he knew he could trust, which does mean more minutes for Eric Bledsoe in a loss like this. The Pelicans gave it their all. And that's not easy to do against a team that is a title favorite on the second night of a back-to-back where you probably landed at Milwaukee at four in the morning, three in the morning, didn't get much rest, and then go out and play a game and play them close till the very end. It was tied going into the fourth quarter. And then in crunch time, five minutes or less, game within five points either way, the Pelicans played really well. B.I. started cooking, Zion started cooking, and Zion had an excellent game in this one. 34 points on the night. Eight rebounds, six assists on 26 shooting. 57.7% was his field goal percentage. He was four of five from the line. Keep that in mind for the next segment of the show. They were close. You know, I don't know what else you really want in a game where Giannis went for 38. Chris Middleton went for 31. Dante DiVincenzo scored 24. You were right there with that group. And Middleton went off for a little bit, just scoring over everything, even with the Pelicans defending him well. You're right in there. I don't know if you can ask for much more than that, right? Now, you could, the final play, because that was a big problem for New Orleans. And this speaks to a young team. So final play, they get the ball back after stealing from the Milwaukee Bucks. They're down 128-125. A three will tie the game. You basically have to take a three. There's no other option here. You've got Lonzo Ball with the ball in his hands, passes it to Josh Hart, or passes it to B.I., who passes it to Josh Hart, who passes it back, and then it gets passed down down low to Zion or something, who then gets called for an offensive foul. You had three Pelicans players get the ball, and none of them, none of them took the shot. They had at least two good looks that they could have had during that. The first one with Brandon Ingram over Middleton, I'm not sure if that was actually good, so I don't really mind him passing out of that. But Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball are guys that do need to at least take it. And in the end, the Pelicans didn't even take an attempt to tie the game up. 
It's one thing if you miss, right? But at least you shot the three. They didn't shoot the three. Lonzo Ball shooting 39.2% on the season. Josh Hart's shooting 35.4%. It's not like they're sub 300% shooters from deep. Lonzo Ball had made six threes in this game. You've got to take that shot. Now, part of this is a young team kind of growing into itself. This is where moral victory stuff comes into play too. Again, I know you're sick of it. I am. But this is year two, year kind of one and a half of what the Pelicans are trying to do and build. It's not like this is a carryover from moral victories at the end of AD's tenure here. You do start the clock fresh. So it's growing into a young team, I think. You know, who's the guy that's the closer for you? Who's the man down the stretch that's going to take the shot? You know, it's got to just be a level of trust of I'm open. I'm going to rip this one. And clearly they lack some confidence in that area. Something that probably just comes with time and understanding your role to an extent on the team. And look, Lonzo Ball has been fantastic recently and was fantastic in this game. You know, if he misses, he can get ripped, of course. Right. But you still need to kind of be okay with that. Know you made the right play. And that's what the situation called for. Passing up out of those, it's not going to work, right? There's too many variables that can go wrong. Clearly, it went wrong as the Pelicans didn't get a shot. You at least got to take it. If I were out there on the court, I would have shot it. I would have missed, but at least I would have shot it. That's what you need to do, and that comes to it just being a young team figuring out how to win close games and how to, how to, how to just win. And that is a very difficult thing that just takes time, unfortunately. And it reared its ugly head in this one. But the core and the foundation for what the Pelicans are trying to build, solid. You wouldn't have been in this game otherwise, particularly on a second night of a back-to-back, only playing eight guys. It's pretty nuts to me. And they fought so hard defensively, wreck. But we kind of expect that. But they fought hard, and we've seen this team not fight hard before. Ultimately, when you're seeing that, I can't really complain. Even if it does end in a loss, that does still sting. So we'll get into how Zion is officiated here in a second. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but clearly NBA is still going on. College basketball and March Madness coming up around the corner, and the NHL is in full swing. And Bet Online even covers reality TV, awards, and other TV shows as well. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Seriously, consider these Pelicans overs right now they look really really good and i think have hit nine or ten times in a row plus bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds you could want it's the best place to place your bets this year and it's free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on it's like you've won a bet you just got some free money right there bet online your online sportsbook experts Saints fans, you're going to want to listen to the latest edition of Locked On Today on the Locked On Today podcast. Is the relationship broken between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks? And are the Saints a serious contender for his services? Sign me the hell up for that one. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. So I rarely like to dive into officiating just because it's part of this, right? Like you understand that officiating is going to be officiating. Ref's going to ref in a way. But this game was pretty bad. And so I wanted to take and take some time to talk about how Zion's officiated because 
he, he's not officiated properly. There, there's really no other way to say it. And Stan Van Gundy, in his press conference after the game, doesn't really think that Zion is either. And he admitted that he's probably biased on this. But look, he said Zion had 30 points in the paint, so 15 field goal attempts in the paint, and only five free throws attempted, so three trips to the line. This is not right. And late in the game, you saw Zion go up for a dunk or a layup, and I didn't see which Bucks player it was, but the refs just had a no call. It looked like maybe from a certain angle that he was just completely blocked with hand on the ball, but it really kind of gone up and then down like that should have at least been a jump ball and not just a no call, which it was. And then when you replayed this, yeah, there was there was very little ball going on there. It was all Zion's wrist and hand that the Bucks defender had gotten. And there were a number of situations like this, and there have been a number of games like this this season where Zion is not officiated properly. There's been a lot of games where he goes to the line close to 10 times. He should be going more. This is a guy who should probably lead the league just based on the number of points in the paint that he's scoring per game, right? Over 18 leads the league in that. He should be going to the line more than anyone else just based on that stat alone. But refs, I think, just have no idea what to do with him and clearly aren't officiating him the same way. If that gets, if that's done to Giannis, it's a foul instantly. But if it's done to Zion, they'll let dudes just Blast him. And look, if I were an opposing coach trying to figure out how to neutralize Zion Williamson, foul the hell out of him. Play super physical and force the refs to call it because they're not. And so teams are going to think they can get away with this sort of stuff. And it's going to be a problem going forward. Zion doesn't really stop and complain. He hasn't picked up a tech for yelling. You know, you might need to make a point of that at some point. Just know you're going to either get an ejection, which I don't think he wants. I don't think he'll try and do, or get a technical just to get your point across, ideally in a nationally televised game. Now, you couldn't have done it in this one because it was just too close and one point could have swung it either way. So I'm glad they didn't do that. But at some point in the future, you're going to need to be a little bit more demonstrative. And normally we hate that, right? Because that means you're complaining to the refs instead of getting back on defense and Pelicans need all the defensive help they can get. But given what we've seen throughout the season, and if you've watched this, you've seen it. They miss calls on him all the time and then immediately call a touch foul on him on the other end, right? Against him. So they need to figure out how to get the refs to handle him properly because he's not officiated like Giannis. He's not officiated like LeBron, but he should be. There's so much contact. And the problem could also be he's so damn strong that it just, that contact doesn't affect him whatsoever. Cause when he's going up, you, you think you're going to stop him unless you like jump on his back? Not a chance. So I don't know what the Pelicans can do, what the league should be doing. Well, they should be officiating him better. And look, we know refing's a problem to begin with, but it's been pretty egregious, I think, these past couple of games. And Zion should be treated like everyone else. And if you do that, it's a big positive for New Orleans. But he, he he's not refed properly. Normally, I don't think it really makes a big difference. But in this game, you could argue it wasn't the final non-three attempt that lost it for New Orleans. It was the fact the refs only send to the line five times. He goes five more, which is like easy in this game, right? Well then, and he goes four or five, which is what he did in this game. You know, it's the difference between a win or overtime and a loss. 
And the refs didn't send him to the line. And look look at that. Easily could have gone five more times for 10 trips to the line. And you'd have no problem with that whatsoever. And he was that good despite the refs almost actively working against him. And look, you guys know me, right? On this show, I shoot you straight. That is my whole thing. I'm not going to come off too fanny, too fan-like. I don't like that in general. But so, so if I'm saying this, I'm clearly seeing it. Because that's all I'm going to do for you all. I'm only going to tell you what I see and give you my opinion on things. And coming in this one completely unbiased, which I try to be on the show, not perfectly all the time, he's not officiated, right? Zion is not officiated properly. And when he does get officiated like Giannis, like LeBron, like others in the league, there's no stopping him whatsoever. Just when is that day actually going to come? So coming up in the next segment of the show, we'll touch on Lonzo Ball. He was really good in this game, like truly excellent in this one, other than the final play, and that's okay because everyone was bad. And we'll touch on a few other things as well and then get you set for Saturday's game against the Spurs. Don't forget to check out the Locked On NBA podcast or a bunch of games throughout the league the past couple of days. You didn't watch them all. We do at Locked On NBA. We recap it for you. And on the Friday show, Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers is joined by Adam Marez of Locked On Nuggets for a wrap-up of the biggest stories around the league. Anthony and Adam are going to bring you recaps, weekend previews, and a weekly NBA power ranking you can't miss. Subscribe to the Locked On, to, uh, Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcasts. So wrapping up today's show, talking about the Pelicans' 129-125 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Look, I promise it's it's a moral victory. Try and see some positive in this one because I saw a lot. And one of those other positives was Lonzo Ball was really good in this game. And he's on a stretch where this is his best play as a Pelican so far in his tenure. Maybe not the best play of his career, but the best play of his tenure here in New Orleans in terms of just his role in doing what he needs to do. I loved what you saw from him in this game last night. He finished with 20 points on the night, 8 assists, 6 of 10 shooting from 3. If he ever goes 6 of 10, he's probably, like if I were to do like a studs and duds ranking or something after every game, and you go 6 of 10, you're always going to be a stud. And 7 of 14 overall, and you saw some aggression out of him. The three-point shooting is the big thing. Play, Be a 3 and D guy, right? Let Zion and point Zion and all of that stuff kind of create for others. And Zion, again, finished with six assists on the night. Do all of that. Everyone kind of sharing the rock. It's great. Be a 3 and D guy. Space the court. Hit your shots. Play defense. You know, do a little bit of creating when you need to, but not too much, please. And I'll love what we'll see out of him. And he did all of that in this game and then gave you some really strong lead guard play, something he's he's not really suited for, I don't think. But he did show up at times when you needed him to do that. In crunch time, you saw a drive to the basket, drew two defenders to him, just dumped the ball off to Zion who went up for an easy dunk. Like as easy of a dunk as Zion's ever going to get. There was no foul there because there was no defender around him because they all went to Lonzo Ball because he was a threat to score on that play. And the fact that Lonzo is fitting in well to this team, it's opening up his shooting a whole lot more. He's getting better looks because Zion's being the focal point of the offense and drawing so many defenders to him. And it's not like he's just there in the post waiting to get the ball. He's creating, which is putting the defense on its toes a whole lot more. Lonzo's getting good looks off of this. He's also really cut down on some of those weird step backs he did, which are pretty terrible. And this probably means... His contract value and and or his trade value, depending on how you want to look at him with that, 
going up. Not GameStop stock good, but going up. Lonzo Ball right now, keep playing like this. You're going to get paid, sir. All of a sudden, it looks like $20 million a year for him might be cheap. And he's going to put the Pelicans in a very, very tough spot, particularly as we get towards the trade deadline very soon. I'm not sure what exactly is going to happen with him and how this is going to play out. And I've kind of jumped off of the boat of like, trade him, trade him, please. Because it's working with him and Zion. And that to me is more important than whatever asset or pick that he might bring back to you. That if you throw this all out of rhythm and balance and Zion doesn't keep playing as well and we don't see the same growth from him, that's the most important thing to me. And Lonzo Ball is a part of that. He's been really, really good recently after a bit of a stretch defensively where he was not, but he's putting some games together right now. And again, if he can keep this up over the rest of the season, I'm kind of guessing they won't trade him at the deadline. That's my best guess though, because of his play right now. And he does this the rest of the season. He's worth re-signing at that point, big time. JJ Redick, on the other hand, is a little bit rough right now. He's one of four from three in this one. The one three he did make put him into 14th all time on the three point rankings in the league, in league history. But, you know, I had some people tweet at me, you know, that final shot where the Pelicans don't take a three. How come Josh, or not Josh Hart, JJ Redick wasn't out there? Well, a couple of things here. One, you started on the defensive side of the ball and you got a steal. You put J.J. Redick out there, you're a defensive liability at this point and a pretty big one, you might not be getting that steal. So you didn't have him out there because of defense, and it wasn't like the Pelicans really had time to stop the clock or anything like that. They just kept going and ran, so you didn't really have the opportunity to sub him in. Defensively, it's bad. If he's not hitting shots, you're playing four on five defensively. If he hits threes and he can play that little two-man game where he screens for Zion when Zion has the ball and then he's draining threes off of that, great, play him. When that's not happening and that's kind of been the trend the past two, three games, you got to look to move him like you do. You can run that play with with another shooter, even if it's not got as much gravity as J.J. Redick does. And I dislike that you have to probably move him, but you probably have to move J.J. Redick. Probably one of the better trade chips you have. I don't know if he'll get you a first-round pick. If you could get that for him, great. Please do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's just not been good defensively. I, I don't really want to talk much about Eric Bledsoe because I'm not on the Eric Bledsoe bandwagon whatsoever. He was a minus 20 in this game, by the way. By far and away the worst in terms of plus-minus for the Pelicans. Zion was next closest with minus 11. Minus 20 is pretty rough. So, yeah. They they he got more minutes in this one because they really shortened the bench to try and get that win. Putting in Nikhil or even Kyra Lewis Jr. probably wasn't going to help you, though I could have seen the case for some Kyra Lewis Jr. minutes, but it would have been five minutes somewhere as a cameo appearance. It probably needs more run than that, I think. So ultimately, it's it's not the biggest deal, I don't think. But yeah, you know, smart of Stan Van Gundy to play. Just eight guys. And look, it almost worked. Again, moral victory. And I know you all don't really want to hear that whatsoever. So the Pelicans do have a game on Saturday on the road still to the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs 16-12. and Never count out a Greg Popovich team. Um, We don't need to do much of a preview on this. They have some... Personal and health issues. I don't know if DeMar DeRozan is playing this one. He missed their game on Wednesday. 
Um, Keldon Johnson has um, is in the health protocols, all of that. So I'm not entirely sure who we're going to see from this team. And hopefully they are doing okay. But I haven't seen the updated injury report just yet. Um, Derek White's still out for them too. Devin Vassell, their rookie. They're, they're not bad, but losing some of those guys really does kind of change this game and really, really swing it. So it's something to keep an eye on. This one may be won or lost depending on if you see the what the injury report looks like. One thing to keep an eye on, they don't turn the ball over. New Orleans thrives when they can get some turnovers and get out and run, and they do not do that at all offensively. They lead the league in like fewest turnovers and turnover percentage offensively. It's pretty good. They also don't do a good or they do a good job really of not fouling the opponent. So if Zion can get to the line more than five times, that's a big check mark, I think, against a Spurs team that tends not to foul. Two things to really watch as we kind of gear up for this game tomorrow on the road before the Pelicans come back home on Monday to face the red hot Utah Jazz, maybe title contending Utah Jazz. So uh, we're going to end the podcast here. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Be back with you all Monday to recap the weekend and preview the jazz.